Before I jump in, um, I'm actually going to just touch base here with God. I'm actually gonna call him on my phone, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Ringing. Oh, good. He answered. He answered. Hey, hey, Father God, how's it going? Woo! It's loud in heaven. I'm gonna mute that right here. <laughs> This is silly. I promise they'll have a point. But uh, uh, <laughs> I'm just here with Redeemed Church, you know. And actually, a special shout out to Tara Turner. She emailed us and she watches every single week from Melbourne, Australia. So, yeah. hi, Tara, and everyone online. Um, but, Lord, we just want to connect with you. And before I open your word today, we're going to pray. Oh, yes, yes, Lord, their heads are bowed. Go ahead. By your heads, yes. Okay, in all sincerity, Father God, <clears throat> we know you are with us and we know that you hear us. And God, I ask you to um, soften my heart and soften our hearts, Lord, for how you're going to speak to us today through your word. And that we ask for discernment and wisdom as we ponder on your word today. May I speak nothing else than what you would have me say. Amen. Amen. Okay, everyone, take out your thinking caps. Seriously, I used to be a teacher, so you know, we, I tell the kids, put them on like this, nice big bow, because I am going to be saying quite a few things to think about today, right? So, did you know that God breathed out light traveling at 186,000 miles per second? In one year's time, light will travel 5.88 trillion miles. Now the galaxy closest to us is the Whirlpool galaxy, and when I say close, it is 25 million light years away. So for you math whizzes, the distance that light travels between our galaxy and the Whirlpool galaxy is 5.88 trillion times 25 million, and that would be the number of miles. Ponder that. How great is God? The sun, it is 93 million miles away from us. And if the earth were a size of a golf ball, the sun could contain 960,000 earths inside of it. <clears throat> and remember, God just breathed stars out like this by a single phrase. Genesis 1.1 and 1.3 say, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Then God said... Let there be light. Ponder that. Beetlejuice. If the earth were a golf ball, this, 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 uh, this star would be the height of six Empire State Buildings stacked up on top of each other. Or put another way, 262 trillion Earths could be put inside this star that God breathed out. How great is God? Or what about one of the biggest stars we've found so far, Canis Majoris? Seven quadrillion Earths. If the Earth were the size of a golf ball, or maybe easier to imagine, 22 inches deep, the state of Texas could be filled with golf balls. That's how big Canis Majoris is. Can't even see the sun. Ponder these. Louis Giglio said this when he talked about this same topic. One glance at the universe God has made resizes everything in a heartbeat. 
These stars represent God's astronomical size and power, but what is equally fantastic to ponder on is God's power in the details, the microscopic details. So who has heard of laminin? You're about to hear something that is going to blow off your thinking caps. So God created our bodies to make over 60,000 different kinds of proteins and laminin is one of them and is a cell adhesion molecule and its job, it's like the glue in our bodies, its job is to hold all of the cells together. So think of like rebar if you're in construction. But check this out. Do you want to see what laminin looks like? Yes. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Come on, the very molecule that holds our bodies together is in the shape of a cross. Again, I love Louis Giglio's sermon on this very topic. He talked about God's greatness. Back, you guys can hear me, back in 2008. And when he was preaching about this, he made the, this connection to Colossians 1, 30, uh, Colossians 1 uh, 16 through 17. For by him all things were created, both in the heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things have been created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. There's more. There's more I want us to ponder on. Do you guys feel that little warmth electricity in your minds? That is the state of pondering. So we've looked at the massive. We've looked at the microscopic. Now let's look at the invisible. How great is God that for all those who believe in Jesus, he deposits within them this invisible power, his very spirit. Now, I know many of us would like to have been one of the ones to walk with, the, with Jesus, one of the 12. But God knew and Jesus said it in John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So because of his sacrifice, his spirit can fill us with gifts, with these invisible gifts for us to use like a tool at just the right time. Amen. So I brought some gifts. So wisdom. Oh, no. <laughs> wisdom is a spiritual gift from God. I'm sorry. It is a gift that we can use when making decisions or navigating tough situations. Sorry. Yep. Where am I? Note to self, don't use as many visuals. <laughs> They're a distraction. Can you guys hear me now? Okay, so wisdom. He gives us his spiritual gift and we can use it whenever we need to make um, tough decisions and he just imparts it to us and at just the right time we can use wisdom. Or what about peace, which is the fruit of the spirit? It's this invisible uh, fruit that, is, that we can experience even during tough times or chaotic times. And he just gives it to us like a gift. I'm so sorry. Or what about the invisible gift of faith? Somehow when you exercise it, the invisible fruit of long suffering helps you as you wait to see how the Lord is going to work everything out. And what about the amazing gifts of uh, fruits of joy, kindness, and gentleness? Mm. I brought out kid boxes because there is no junior Holy Spirit. Mm. <clears throat> Kids are given the same exact spirit. They choose to believe in him, and they do, <clears throat> who created Beetlejuice. Our children and our youth can teach us so much about how to show the fruits of the Spirit. So I won't go through all of these, all the fruits and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but ponder these things. Ponder the massiveness of God, His attention and work in the microscopic, and His power that invisibly moves within us.
I want to share this really cool story that happened this week. Another awesome move of God. She's not here today, I don't think. Tabitha, are you not? Are you here? No. But Tabitha was invited to our Alpha course by Brendan and Suze. And um, after the Alpha course is finished, you get to pray. All the leaders get to pray for each person one on one. And Dana and I, as she's actually walking in. We got to pray with Tabitha, and as I was, as I was praying, and this doesn't happen all, all the time like this for me, but God laid very specifically on my heart the verse Ezra 6.5. I heard it, and I didn't know if I should say it or not, but I said it to her, and Dana and I prayed with her, and so she's been ruminating on that verse. That's been almost a year ago. Well, last Sunday, she got baptized at our house, John and I's house. Yeah, and uh, she's in our life group, and so I guess apparently one day at life group, she had commented on John's um, white King James Version Bible, said she liked it. So I don't know when that was, but on Sunday, John remembered that, and he says, hey, Tabitha, how about, do you want to have that Bible? I'll go out and get it for you. So he goes out to his truck, and he brings it back in, and nonchalantly, he says, <clears throat> sorry, he says, hey, I don't know if this means anything, but the ribbon is in between Ezra's chapter 5 and 6. Mm. And Tabitha and I looked at each other, and our jaws <laughs> dropped, because yes, this does mean something. The very verse that God put on my heart, and the very verse that she has been pondering over for the last year, now this Bible is marking the page. Mm. Do you guys know what this means? God knew that Tabitha would have that Bible one day, and he had this verse verse in mind for Tabitha to receive and in his perfect timing he puts the exact gift on my heart now this is the gift of knowledge I didn't I don't know if I have it every day all day long but he gave it to me and I heard it and then I had to exercise faith and I had to say it and then uh, when this Bible was being packed up and shipped out to our house somebody's hands had to put that ribbon in between Ezra chapters 5 and 6 and then John had to remember that Tabitha even liked this Bible and he had to exercise faith to go out and get it and to give it to her and then he had to have just the willingness to say hey by the way nonchalantly the ribbon is here she could have brought it home and she might have been like yo Liz I can't believe it but many people were in the room when this happened and so it's just this crazy uh, crazy moment to ponder on and, and she has, it's been resonating with her and she agrees that yes, this verse does hold a lot of promises for her. How great is it that God would confirm something like that for Tabitha as well as build up me and John. So very cool, right? To ponder on and I have just one more thing to show you real quick. <clears throat> great, there's a guitar here. That means I'm probably gonna do something wrong, but here. All right. This map I've had out for a while, and it has red and blue pins on it. And I've been asking people to put <clears throat> a red pin for the place where you live and a blue pin for the place where you work. <clears throat> so ponder this, ponder the impact we could have as a church if we committed to praying and maybe even serving in all of these different neighborhoods. This is our reach. God has you in a place and among certain people and circumstances to accomplish a definite purpose, which is first done through intercession and prayer. <clears throat> 
Your part in prayer is to pray for them, which is to say to bring them in front of the throne of God and the spirit that is within you. It is his job to make intercessions for the very people that you are praying for. You don't know what to pray for. Just groan, just think, just present them to God and the spirit knows and he will intercede on all of these people's behalf. Ponder the difference we can make if we just prayed for our neighborhoods and the people at the places of our work. And so I'm going to leave this out in the foyer and you guys can add your pins, please, so we can see more of our reach. But <clears throat> I know that was a lot, but I wanted us to get knee deep into this state of pondering together. And with that said, now let's open the Bible. Turn to Luke 1.26.30 if you have a Bible or a phone, but it'll be up on the screen, of course. Uh, Luke uh, 1.26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very troubled at this statement and was pondering what kind of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Before we zoom in on a couple of verses in this passage, I want to remind you of our intentions this series, um, how during the holiday season, God is inviting us to live purposely, not passively. We started this series with Pastor Kurt speaking on Kairos time or God's time, how moments and seasons can be filled with meaning and purpose if you walk with God through them. Then he spoke on simplicity and all the practical ways that we can simplify our lives so that we can make room for the things of God's kingdom. And then last week, Eddie spoke, or he reminded us on uh, four helpful things to remember for the, through the holidays, and one of which was to remember that God will always fulfill what he promises and establishes. And this week, I bet you can guess it, I'm speaking on pondering, shown to us in scripture through Mary and King David. And it's a surprise what he'll be speaking on next week. <laughs> but starting first with Mary, she was this young Jewish girl, newly engaged. And shout out to our newly engaged couple. Um, but she is thinking just like every first century Jewish person is thinking that one day this conquering Messiah from the line of David, he's going to be a prophet. He's going to be a servant. He's going to be a sinless man. And he's going to come and he's going to save them and then return the Jewish people to their formal glory like they had during the times of King David. That's what she's expecting. So in verse 28, when the angel Gabriel comes in and tells her that the Lord is with her and that she is favored, she's troubled. And at this point in the story, Gabriel hasn't even dropped the bomb yet, like that she is going to be the one to carry this conquering Messiah that her people have been waiting on for centuries. But just right now, she's pondering that she's favored and that the Lord is with her. And in some translations, the word discern is used here, not pondering. So you might have that in your Bibles. So I'd like to take just a quick little side trail right now to touch on this word discern or discernment, because we do know that discernment is a spiritual gift. And scripture says in 1 Peter 4.10 that all believers, thank you, God, have been given at least one spiritual gift and that we are not to hoard our gifts, but we are to use them faithfully as stewards of God's grace. And I bet you if you're stewarding your gift and you're asking for more gifts, you're going to get two, three, four, I don't know, maybe all of them if you're stewarding them, right? 
But discernment is one of these gifts. It is this God-given ability to discern between spirits, good and evil spirits. It can also be the ability to recognize false teaching. And it also, you may have the ability to evaluate prophecies. And this is important to take note of. Perhaps the latter is what Mary is doing here. She's aware of what the messianic prophecies are, and Gabriel's visiting her, and, he, and her heart is evaluating what he's telling her. But what's also happening here is probably just common discernment, which is obviously this thinking skill that God has created our brains to do, for all of us to do, and the more we practice them, the better we get. Um, but you, you guys know that I'm a teacher, and if you're a teacher too, you've heard of Bloom's Taxonomy. Who has heard of Bloom's Taxonomy? Raise your hand. Yes, yes, I'm speaking to you. Uh, all of us, really. But Bloom's Taxonomy is this diagram of the six levels of thinking and learning. And they're ordered in complexity, and under each level of thinking is a list of verbs to look for to identify at which level you're operating in. So you'll see here, the first level of thinking is to remember. And then underneath the re word remember, you're going to see all the things our brains do at this cognitive level of learning. If you turn the slide, you'll see that. <laughs> yeah. And isn't it super funny that God is always telling us to remember? He's basically telling us to be basic, right? To just think basically. The next level of thinking is to understand, and you'll see all of the verbs. These are all the things we do to show that we're, we're operating at this cognitive level. Then the next level is apply. And I love this quote by Mike Winger that he posted just the other day. He said recently, Bible study isn't done until you apply it. If you're a knowledge head, get your hands and feet to work. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> then the next step is analyze and evaluate. And lastly, the highest level is to create. This is what teachers use, curriculum developers use as a guide to plan their teaching and also to gauge at what cognitive level a student has learned something or has performed something. But obviously this could be used in any field. And in fact, it, this could really help you with your spiritual walk too, to identify to what degree you're applying scripture. This could be why Paul said, faith without works is dead. Because if you've learned something but don't apply it or show it in some way, that learning is essentially dead. It's literally stuck in the neurons in your hippocampus. That's where it is. But if you're applying it, an example, using this first level of blooms to remember, you might tell, right? You might restate something to prove you remember it. So if you use Bloom's taxonomy into your, to your faith life, you might tell someone what you remember God doing in your life. So for example, I remember when God met me at my lowest place. He comforted me during my depression. He provided for me when I was dead broke. He saved me when I confessed my sins. So practically speaking, if you just wanted to live purposely this season, just tell someone what you remember God doing in your life. But if you're an overachiever and want to show your understanding of scripture at the create level, pull up that create, that's up, you might build, construct, manage something. Maybe a church in a commercial building that needed a new worship center. Oh, we're doing that. Yes. We're creating. But seriously, here at Redeem, um, I know many of us are believing for some of you guys to be inspired by the Holy Spirit to create new ministries, new ways of applying the gospel truth. 
So let's look at what level of thinking that ponder and discern fall under. They ponder and discern fall under the fourth and fifth levels of thinking and learning, analyzing and evaluating. So pull up that slide. And this is why it needs, this skill needs to be explicitly taught in the house of God because God wants to call you higher. He wants you to become more spiritually mature. And here are some markers to aim for. Under the analyzing and evaluating slide, it'll show. But it's discern and ponder. When you're doing this, you're, you're considering something. You're testing something. You're, you're connecting. You're distinguishing. You're deciding. Mm. And we do see this in Mary. She's pondering and discerning the statement that, God, that Gabriel said to her. She's distinguishing whether or not this angel is from the Lord. She's analyzing his words. She's connecting what she knows about messianic prophecy to what he is saying to her. She's questioning and she's making decisions in her left and right brain, like, can I believe what he's saying? How can the Lord be with me? I'm no King David. She's wondering why she is favored. Can I believe this about myself? Can I believe what God is speaking over me? This young girl from nowhere, unqualified and undeserving. She's doing all of this thinking in her mind, and Gabriel sees she's become troubled. And he says to her, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And then he drops the bomb, 31 through 33. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So now at this point, she's definitely connecting here what she knows about the messianic prophecies and what Gabriel is saying, and it checks out. She doesn't question it, but she does question how she's going to become pregnant. <laughs> Verse 34, Mary asks Gabriel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And this is totally normal, you guys, so don't feel bad if you question God too. Questioning is a normal part of the pondering process. Jesus understands our nature. He listens to our questions and he will answer. So let's see how the angel of the Lord of God answered Mary's question. Let's go to Luke 1, 35 through 37. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason also the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. We see here that Gabriel's answer to Mary was so complete. He tells her how. He restates that the baby will be the son of God. He gives her even more secret information. <clears throat> and then Gabriel encourages her and declares God might that God's might that nothing will be impossible with God. How many of you have experienced a conversation like this where unexpe something unexpected happens in your life and you question it in prayer to God and then you feel in your heart his spirit has answered you and he has revealed things to you and he has encouraged you? Yes? Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. And so I know that many of us can make this point right here that prayer is truly the best pro opportunity to process your pondering. Powerful th things can happen in these holy Kairos moments. Look how Mary responded to Gabriel's answer. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. 
then the angel left her. In this powerful moment, Mary has just aligned her will to the Father's will. The pondering process is so inherently filled with purpose. And that's my first official point, that it is a purposeful process that can result in complete alignment with God. And once you align your will with the Father's will, then boom, snap, just like that, something can be conceived in you. Somewhere between when, Mary, when Gabriel told Mary that she was going to be the one to carry the child and the time that she said, behold, yes, let it be done to me, and the time that she goes to visit Elizabeth at Elizabeth's house, Jesus was conceived in her room. This is one of the most beautiful events in human history to ponder on. This is the true joy of Christmas season right here. A young girl aligning her will with the Father's will, a plan that he had in mind when he breathed out creation, knowing that his one and only son would one day walk the earth that he created and then die on a cross. And he made that cross known at the beginning of time, humankind, uh, in a tiny microscopic molecule that all things would be held together by what Jesus would do on the cross and it would be discovered in our era. Ponder that. I mean, Mary was filled with so much joy and understanding after what had just happened to her that she breaks out into song. We see this in verses 46 through 55, and I'm not going to read all of it uh, for the sake of time, but she sings, she praises, she glorifies, she declares, she prophesies, she agrees with God, and she tells what she remembers about God doing, and then she treasures things in her heart. These are all the components of the pondering process. Now let's look at that next section and, uh, with, with Mary Ponders again, because this is her lifestyle, right? A young girl doing this. Love her. Luke chapter 2. So this is going to be after she gives birth to Jesus, and she and Joseph and, and Jesus are visited by the shepherds. And you know the story that the shepherds were also visited by an angel. And this angel tells the shepherds in verse uh, 10 through 12. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So the shepherds then go in haste, and they find their way to Mary and, Je and Joseph and Jesus, and they tell Mary what has been told to them. And all who were with Mary and her and Joseph, all who heard it, wondered what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So what do you think she's, is she pondering now? What new information has she just received from the shepherds? I think what's happening here is that she is hearing for the very first time that her son, the Messiah, and the gospel truth that he is going to bring will be for all people, Amen. not just Jewish people. Yes. Yeah. Wow, she's thinking, this is a little bit different than what I thought. He's going to come for Jews and Gentiles in every nation and tongue. Yes. But instead of voicing her thoughts this time, she treasures them and she's going to keep them close. She does all of this pondering in her heart. So I think a point could be made here and should be made here that some of your pondering can be kept private. Perhaps of your personal enjoyment, perhaps until you've completely discerned and processed them, and perhaps until God gives you the green light to post them on Facebook. 
or not. Yeah, we do not. Yeah. Now let's look quickly at our next example, King David, before I close. So far, we've been able to ponder together on the greatness of God, and we've looked at Mary's practice of pondering. But let's be real here. Real here. She's been given good news. Unexpected, yes. Unfamiliar and mind-blowing, yes. But all in all, good, joyful news. Now, let's look at an example when you have to ponder disappointments or when God says no. Turn to 2 Samuel 7, and I have a, a collection of verses, and I'll put them all on the screen together because I'm going to skip some of them. But um, starting with verse 1. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, you should go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But that night, the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant, this is what the Lord says, Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? When your days are over, and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build my house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. So here, we're looking at a man after God's own heart, one of the greatest kings in history, someone who killed a giant and who was anointed at a very early age, the man that brought about a time that Jewish people like Mary hoped to return to. King David had these big, big plans that he'd been pondering on and dreaming up. He had a clear rationale and vision. He had great intentions. He had the means, but God said, no. It will not be you that builds a house for my name. Okay. Surely David was disappointed, and why wouldn't he be? With his track record of success and stewardship unto the Lord, I mean, I bet he could have presented a perfect case to God, mm -hmm. saying all the reasons why he should be the one to build a temple. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't talk back, he doesn't snap back, mm -hmm. like a kid would. What we see here in scripture is that David sat down before he responded back to what the Lord told him through Nathan. David ponders, he regroups, he's trying to discern and reconcile God's answer with his plans that he had had in mind. And I know we can all relate to this. I can. When life doesn't go the way you thought it might, it can be downright crushing and debilitating. And situations like this can have the great potential to cause destruction if you react but David sat. And so I did skip over some verses because I wanted us to focus on the disappointment that God delivered in his, his answer to David, but that is not all he said to David that day. Let's look at verses 9 through 11. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will give you rest from all your enemies. So, after the disappointing news, God just also, God also tells David that he's going to offer provision, establishment, peace, and protection from, from oppression. And he's going to give him this much-needed gift of rest, probably because he stewarded everything so well. But the greatest thing that God promises David that day, perhaps greater than building a temple, and I know that every mother and father would agree with this, is that God is promising David legacy. 
that his, that his son is going to carry on. His son will build the house for God. And he says that, David, I'm going to make your, your name so great, the greatest in all of the earth, not just his country, guys, not just the continent, but the entire earth. I know for me, I think I would rather pass on a blessing if I know Finley, Savannah, <laughs> or Jojo could have it. <laughs> Sorry. I'm thinking of my little guy, Jojo. He's so, <laughs> he's so awesome. He's like, I think he's filled with his spirit. He just knows how to bless and just say the right thing. And I know it's from God. And he came in at 630 this morning. And, and I was kind of finishing typing up and he came in and just gave me a big hug and he just says, I hope you do well today, mom. And it's just like, who are you? You know, you're, you just see me, you know, and you just say the thing I need to hear. And it just, it's, it's just an eyes. Anyway, so I, I think all parents should pray for your kids to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit earlier than you did. That's what I'm praying. And so I think it's happened at him for him, seven years old. Thank you, God. So anyway. Now, I know you might be thinking, I don't get answers from God. And certainly not these promises about what he's going to do in my life. Shoot, I don't even know when he's saying no or what he's saying no to. I have been there. And if this is your current experience, ex current experience if you have not heard the voice of God and you want to, then come up afterwards and I will pray with you or the prayer team. Um, because I, perhaps God wants to speak to you through another person, just like Gabriel did for Mary and Nathan did for King David. But if, if you're one that's walking out a season of disappointments, you can still live purposely through them. You can sit down like David did, and you can allow yourself some time to ponder and discern taking your disappointments to God. But it's going to re require intentionality and even some scheduling. Because one of the number one hindrances to being able to sit down like David did, to ponder and to discern all of the things from the majestic things to the disappointing things, it's busyness. Busyness blocks pondering. This ability to listen and to learn and discern God's word and direction. It's crazy. But check this out. Matthew 28 says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, and to make this relevant to our time, they were buying gifts, and they were wrapping them, and they were working and grinding and making it to all their social obligations, all these great things, mind you. They were marrying and giving in marriage up until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That, it was, that is how it will be when Jesus comes back again. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on the day when your Lord will come. Be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect Him. I know the Lord didn't lay this on my heart to be a scare tactic for the end of days. More like this is a loving reminder to His people. I mean, we saw this with Martha too, the other Mary's sister. It says in Luke chapter 10 that Martha was very busily getting ready for Jesus' visit and their gathering that they were going to have. She's doing all the important things needed, house cleaning and food prep and table setting. And then she goes up to Jesus and she complains to Jesus, Mary isn't helping me. She's, she's with you. And he says, Jesus tells Martha, Martha, dear, you are worried about many things. I'm sorry, but Martha has chosen the better way. 
busyness and distraction and just simply not prioritizing time alone with God each day are hindrances. And worst case scenario, when Jesus returns, it will be the distracted, unaware, busy unbeliever, caught up in all the normal things of life, that person will miss the coming of the Son of Man. But if you choose the better way, like Mary did, like David did, to sit down and ponder and discern all of the disappointing things, the promises of God, sit down and ponder what's happening in the world, what's happening in our state, in our country, what's happening in your family, you will, you'll be ready. You will reap so many blessings. So point number four is, Pondering leads to awareness and keeps you attuned to the Spirit of God and what He is saying. He makes you alert. This makes you alert and ready. And you might just learn how, just how busy you've become. And God will speak to you about what worries you can let go of and where you can say no and what things that you can pull back so that you have more time and energy to do the things that He is pleased with. My counselor this week said this really cool thing as I was chatting with her about um, just receiving God's words. Um, and she said, when we receive, when we're in prayer and we receive God's words over us, it anchors us. And then it helps us to look very intentionally in that direction. But when you're busy, it blocks you from looking in that direction that God just showed you. So in that moment, I imagined this person who had just received this beautiful word from God, this promise, and they decided not to focus on it, you know, I'll get to it later, and now they're just tossing about in the waves of the sea. Nothing is anchoring them. Now. They've become too worried and they're overcome and they can't remember the very thing that God just told them that was going to anchor them and keep them safe and stable. We have to make a real effort to receive God's word and then to do something with it, to apply it right away so the seed can grow and become established. So with sternness and all the love in your, my heart, my favorite verse, go into your room and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Yes. Make this practice your everyday offering. In fact, that is the title of my message today, Pondering, an everyday offering. That's good. And man, you guys can co come on up. <clears throat> but God's word says to drink of his spirit, to sing songs to him, just like Mary did. But I know this can be super hard to do because the ways of the world, to, that they, the ways that the world shows us to cope can be really enticing and they do seem to offer a quicker fix when we're faced with disappointments. I, I know all too well what channel I can turn to to keep my mind from entering into that state of pondering. <laughs> TV is numbing. I know what other things that you can drink instead of entertaining what God's vision is for myself. I too know that shopping and projects and all the things can be so enjoyable and consuming that I simply forget, oh yeah, God wants to be with me. But I've learned that none of that satisfies. And when I do practice pondering and discerning what's going on in my life, or this, cha or this church, or what's going on in the state, or my family, um, I am rewarded with answers, maybe not about the country or the state, but, <laughs> uh, but with my family and myself and this church, 
I'm rewarded with, with answers from God and I'm rewarded with God's presence and then I become soothed. Pondering is a way to self-soothe. We are still children. We still need to be soothed. What a gift that God gave David. David didn't have to wonder anymore or strive or spend the rest of his life building a temple for God. God gave him a clear answer. At least now he knows how to spend his time and energy, and he's freed up to do what pleases the Lord, which, guess what it is? Rest from his enemies. What's amazing about this practice is that as you grow in it, you'll soon realize you can live in a near constant state of pondering and prayer with God. That line between you and God is always open. Yeah. Remember when I called God on my phone at the beginning of the message? Yeah. Look, call still in process. Thirty-nine minutes, fifty-eight seconds. I'm calling God. He's listening. He's always listening. He never hangs up. Perhaps for some of you, He's not just calling you to an everyday offering, but to an all-day offering of prayer, pondering, and discernment. There's a lot that can be said about this practice. I'm not a guru. I have been reading a lot of books. Uh, Nowen, shout out to you. Dallas Willard, shout out to you. Um, Hillary, you have the gift of discernment. That was one thing that God showed us, right? And you showed in your heart with Bertha too. It was confirmed. This book is for you. So that's for you after the, the sermon. But when it comes down to what all these books say, what the Bible says, we simply need to ask him things. We need to sit down, we need to go into our rooms and connect with Him and seek Him, and we need to pray every day. This is our daily offering that we can give God. This is the better way. And in turn, He will speak to you. Now, last time I spoke, I mentioned to you that there was always this anchor song that God um, showed me, so we're about to sing that one. Um, it's, go figure, it's called Ask, Seek, Pray. And right now you have the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus just like Mary did. Sit down just like David did. And God is, is not, I didn't ask you to just put on a thinking cap today. I feel God is asking you to put on this coat of ponder. This invisible coat of pondering as if it were a mantle. I have this vision that each one of us is walking around with this coat wrapped around our shoulders, across our hearts, and it's a sign to everyone, and it's a sign to yourself. I am a servant of God in constant communication with Him, that I am a man or woman of discernment, and I am pondering the words of God and others with purpose. So i just like to pray this mantle over you, as well as Psalm 119. 125 that says, I am your servant. Give me discernment that I may understand your statutes. So go ahead and bow your heads. <clears throat> Thank you, God, for being with us today, for how you gave Sue's uh, knowledge for the song set to pick. It's complete alignment with this message, and I didn't. we didn't talk. I thank you for that. Thank you, God, that right now you... Um, are 
you are pondering on all the things that are on our hearts. And so right now we can just lay our disappointments at your feet. We can, um, we can ponder the amazing things that are happening in our lives right now. And we hand them to you and we ask you, God, for discernment to process through them so that we're not reacting too soon, jumping the gun, making quick decisions. Um, maybe we don't want to go ahead and, and end that relationship because you haven't said so. <laughs> or maybe uh, you don't want to call that person and start you know, gossiping just because you feel all this tension inside. Maybe God is giving you discernment to just lay low, to process things with him. Maybe you're telling some of us not to buy so much. Like, you know, maybe we can do a thoughtful gift. I know that I'm going to have to be do that this Christmas. My sisters do thoughtful gifts, and I just want to buy something. And so I'm, I'm thinking through with you, God, maybe how I can bless my sisters this Christmas. But, Lord, there are greater things going on than gifts. There's, there's diagnosis. There's... Um, there's just deep, deep wounds from um, just people who have affected us. And so, God, we just lay these at our feet, at your feet, and we ask you for healing. We ask for your touch. We ask for your word. We ask for you to reveal answers. Would you speak to us through other people? Would you highlight scripture for us? Would you use songs? Would you get our attention, God? Your voice and what you say matters, and we want to do what you say to do. Only you can satisfy. And Jesus, we want to also just take this moment for coming so humbly as a baby. You having to trust God the Father in his plans. You had all knowledge within you, and you had to store it up like a little baby, just waiting for the right time to, to minister to your people. So thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. And we just ask and we seek and we pray to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.